All men are created equal, but they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Fight, liberty, and the If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Make America great again. The Big Mac. Welcome back to the Big MIG Show. I am your host, Lance Miliacho, and of course, the ever-vigilant, hard-working George Ballantine. George, you're in full action there, dude. You're trying to display the shirt. I saw you roll back. <laughs> you like that, right? guy's got more swag than anybody I know. It kind of goes of where course, your hat. I, of course, well, you know it is what it is. Uh, we'll let people read out of that whatever so they want. Uh, at the end of the day, you know George. He's always got a fresh shirt for a fresh night. This was given uh, to me. You know, I'm not gonna say from who or where, but exactly the swag king. That's what we like to call George, the swag king. Uh, tip of the spear, edge of the night. <laughs> if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. And you know that is always the plan on the Big Mig Show. We are gonna bring you the truth, the facts, the receipts. It's a uniparty in D.C. We're going after both sides of the aisle. I don't trust either side at this point. I think they're co-conspirators. There might be a few honest men and women in D.C., but I think they're going to be difficult to identify nowadays. Um, you know our plan here, right? We want to unify the country. And to do that, we're going to educate you one episode at a time. And then you can make your own decision. You can disseminate it. You can share it. You can decide whether or not, since you heard it from the source— whether or not these are facts, unlike the mainstream media, unlike the shills on all the other social media platforms, mm. the paid shills, I might add, being played by NGOs, private organizations, democratic uh, groups. Uh, so one side of the aisle, active, aggressively uh, violating their oath to the Constitution over and over again, and basically ignoring it at this point. Uh, but they are aggressively going after what they believe is their right for the criminality in D.C. And the other side, well, a lot of foot stomping, a lot of noise, and literally no action. They have all the power. They don't do anything with it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, that new bill has gotten me pissed off. Like, you know, you guys, you know how I get. Um, George, how are you doing, bro? I'm good, Lance. You know, the, for some reason, the music, the intro gets me pumped up. I was like, damn, dancing. Nobody could see yeah. me, though. <laughs> yeah, we got some new, new music to pick out for tonight. As you guys know, we've got our new radio show, our nationally syndicated show. will be uh, every Saturday from this point forward after Friday. So we're going to be picking out some a little bit of new intro for the, bu the, the uh, bumpers, they call it. We've got to pick some of that stuff out, but we're pretty excited. The radio station took us through everything today, so that's a big deal. We're going to continue to have our Thursday episodes. As you guys know, we're on 45 active audio podcast platforms now. You can find us on Rumble. You can find us on Locals. You can find us on X. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, leave us comments. If there's some interviews you'd like to see us get a hold of, or if you have an interview you think we might be interested in, get a hold of us. And if you'd like to sponsor the Big Mig Show,
show. We're always looking for like-minded sponsors, people that believe in the truth, that believe in 1A, that believe in 2A, and want to get their message out. Obviously, we're, we're, it's a bigger and bigger uh, level of platform for the Big Mig Show as we expand. I want to thank our sponsors, seaofmud.com. Don't forget to use all caps, the Big Mig, for 15% off. Kyle is on fire, George. I don't know if you've seen his post, but he is he is wound up over a lot of stuff. Yeah, I had, right a, talk, I had a talk with him, so I kind of pumped him up, I think. I don't know. Maybe. But. You, you might have got him wound up. He's running. He's but wound listen, up. Guys, they've got great stuff. I'm going to give you a close-up, as you know. They've got beanies. They've got T-shirts. They've got coffee cups. Uh, while we're on the close-up, I want to thank the guys at Beard Vet Coffee, Beard Vet Tactical. Listen to me. You can go over there and just get about anything you want. This tumbler is amazing, keeps the coffee hot, well-insulated, and, of course, if you think Stanley's a complete jerk-off, and I do, the Stanley cup just irritates the crap out of me. How can a metal Chinese-made cup be worth $10,000 on eBay? I have no freaking idea. I, it doesn't even make any sense to me. At the end of the day, of course, this is the non-woke Stanley cup from Beard Vet. So get over there. Take a look at their stuff. You can even buy your ammunition over there. We love those guys. They are America First Patriots. And ideaordie.com, the top verified organization on Twitter. We appreciate what the ownership does for us. That is going to be a big deal, in my opinion, as far as I believe they're going to have a lot of influence and power as they continue to get a large battery of social media influencers that are becoming part of the team. Uh, I think this, I think it's important that we unify. That's the only way to disseminate the messages and really expose the truth. Because at the end of the day, we know that they are extremely good at lying. The Twitter files prove that. We see the suppression even now, the leftover suppression on X. Hopefully Elon Musk is going to fix it. Even our own accounts deal with it. But Idea or Die gives you an advantage over everybody else. Check them out. Go to the ideardie.com website. So tonight, you guys know we have a big Lance. interview. I really go ahead, George. I just want to add one more thing to our um, yeah sponsors and friends. We have to add skgraphics.com, Siberian oh, yeah. kitten shirts. You know, it's got all kind of patriotic apparel. It's got the yes. boss T-shirt for me, the boss, Big Mig Boss. Yeah, go, she's go, great. And don't and forget, she's got her new podcast over on Rumble in the Meow. Get over there, support her with her husband, CSM Master. They do a great job. They're definitely truth tellers. Well known in the gaming industry. I'm not a gamer, but everybody seems to know them in the gaming world. I guess they're a big deal over there. So if you like those guys, you're going to want to check out her new show. She definitely knows what she's doing. They've been friends of ours since the inception of True Social. So we really appreciate their support at all times. Okay, so look, you guys know that there's lots of stuff that floats around. And, and of course, we always try to research those stories. We try to get to the bottom of it. It doesn't matter what the story's about. But let me start off the show by saying, I am not suicidal. George Ballantine is not suicidal. Well. I want to get that out of the way right now. And, and Buzz is laughing backstage right now. We want to table that because we want you to know that if Killary's around and about, you guys need to give us a heads up. Uh, you know, we know her reputation, 56 or 57, uh, under her death belt at this point. She can't no, be probably, random there's chance. There's more. There's, there's the, um, as we call them, gotaways. There's gotaways at the border. There's, There's... <laughs> We don't know what ways, how many more there is. But I just want to let them know that <laughs> my house, every inch of my house is surrounded by cameras, audio, and some other tricks. Yeah. Plus, if you come in a two-block radius, you are on camera. And if your plate does not belong in my area, 
It's getting run automatically. Yeah, I, just putting I, it I out there. Out, I've got some fifty-gallon drums of uh, shape chargers out in the yard. No, I'm so not if serious. you hit this yard and it's killery, watch out, killery. I'm coming for you. I don't All right, look, here's the here's the deal, guys. Awesome, Buzz really. Patterson. I've been watching him online for a while. He's got which it cracks me up. It's called Buzz's Bedtime Stories. This guy drops oh, really? some bombs. Uh, he's an author, a pilot, and former carrier of the nuke football. So if you saw the th thumbnail, George, throw the thumbnail up real quick. Sure. A lot of people are probably like, what the hell is with the briefcase on the left side? Well, that is actually a picture of, I don't know what it looks like now. I haven't really gone in close on it, but that's a picture of the uh, nuclear football during that time period that Buzz was working there. I believe it's accurate. I actually took it off Wikipedia, so I think it's the actual uh, suit uh, briefcase. Uh, so listen, Buzz is a columnist, uh, New York Times bestselling author times twice. He's got three books that I could identify. There might be more. Uh, if I found those on Amazon. We'll find out where you can buy those books. Um, you know, I just got to say this. You have to really look at what Buzz's history here is. He was a lieutenant colonel, United States Air Force. He's retired now, former Republican congressional candidate, military combat pilot, distinguished White House military aide, best-selling author, popular conservative public speaker, and TV talk show host. So he's got it's one of his books. And George, you want to throw this up now, Dereliction of Duty. Let's throw up the cover for that. That's the one with Clinton on the front. Um, with sure. a golf tee in his mouth. Hold on. Interesting shot of Bill. I'm not a fan, as everybody knows. And it's not because he's, he's, he's who he is. It's because, you know me, I don't trust anybody that isn't America first. So, so that's, that, that book, let me say this to you. From what I read on the reviews, because I did not have his books, but I'm actually going to buy one now because I want to read one of his books that I saw. Um, he's putting out the dirt. I mean, he's bringing the facts. He was there uh, behind the scenes. So what he's going to tell you tonight uh, isn't somebody speculating. He's not making this up. So he served 20 years as a pilot on active duty in the United States Air Force, saw two tours of duty worldwide, including combat operations in Grenada, Bosnia, the Persian Gulf, Somalia, Rwanda, and Haiti. That's from 96 to 98. So uh, he was military aide to President Bill Clinton. During that time, he serves as the right hand of President Mrs. Uh, Hillary Clinton, I even hate saying the name, was responsible for President's emergency satchel, otherwise known as the nuclear football, the black bag with the nation's nuclear capability that accompanies the president at all times. As such, Patterson had an office and a bedroom in the White House and accompanied the first family at all times. And I would imagine he had the highest levels of clearance, obviously, so just so you guys know, and there's multiple levels of clearance uh, for people that are in the inner loop, obviously, with the president. Uh, you know, so he was operational commander for all military units assigned to the White House. So I assume that includes Air Force One, Air Force Two. I would assume that includes uh, any of the military units that worked with Secret Service. I'm sure there was a lot of coordination there we can talk about. He obviously was involved with Marine One Camp David and the White House Transportation Agency, which you know that includes the Beast and along with the Suburbans with the GE miniguns, which everybody seems to want when you see him online. Everybody says, how do I get my hands on one of these? M134, popular weapon, but definitely uh, a lethal weapon. So here we go. George, throw up Conduct Unbecoming, the cover. Lance, I just Unusual wanna, shot of I just Obama. Want, I just want to add something, though, to, to having a nuclear football. The only thing yeah. that sucks about it for a man like Buzz is he has to be so close to the Clintons at all time. That really got to suck. Yeah. Imagine I can't being imagine that was easy job, we're going to hear that from. Imagine being, so here's yeah. a shot of Obama that, to me, in a lot of ways, says it all. 
Uh, as you got, mm -hmm. know, his his call sign was Renegade. As you know, there was lots of theories about the FBI and the CIA creating Renegade, that it was an operation. A lot of people, including his brother, say he was born in Kenya, wasn't qualified to be president. We'll see if Buzz knows anything about that. And the last one, and I think this is his most recent book, but we're going to verify that. This one is War Crimes, the left's campaign to destroy our military and lose the war on terror. We're going to talk about that also. So rather than continue to talk about Buzz and leave him backstage, George, let's bring him in. Hopefully I did okay with the intro and I didn't get any of the facts wrong, but I'm sure he'll tell me because he's that kind of guy. Welcome to the Big Big Show, Buzz Patterson. Hey guys. Hey guys, what's up? What's up? How what's you doing? What's happening, Buzz? How do we do with the intro? Do we get most of it right, I hope? Yeah, I hope. you got yeah, you got it all right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there was a couple of flubs that I you know, if you sent me the draft, I probably would have just edited, but uh you got most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Once a leader, always a leader. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> At the end yeah. of the day, if it's Snafu or Fubar and the Big Meg, we're going to Buzz from here on out. We're going to hit him up. There you so go. here's the deal, Buzz. You know, I, I guess first, give me give me some of your history here. You know, you you obviously came from a military family. Your father was a two star general, which means you probably traveled all over, potentially nationally and internationally. Give me the background that that got you committed to the military like you did. <sighs> Yeah, so I was born uh, into a military family. My dad was in the Air Force for 33 years, uh, as you said. He was he retired as a two-star major general. And we, we moved all over the world every two to three years. My sister was born in Norway, my brother in the Philippines. And um, I went to eight schools in 12 years and three colleges. So we got around. Mm -hmm. And I never really had the intention of joining the Air Force. Uh, when I was in uh, college, I was looking for what to do after college and decided I might want to go into the Air Force to be an attorney. So I entered this program where they were going to pay my way through law school. And they actually came back to me. I had taken all these battery of tests. They said, hey, have you ever thought about flying? And I had never actually, other than being in a commercial airliner a couple times, I had never flown a single, you know, minute of my life. So I said, well, what the hell? Let's let's try it. And I went to uh, pilot training and officer officers uh, candidate school and was commissioned and started flying airplanes and loved it. And my dad at the time was also still active. And so I did 20 in the Air Force, flew all over the world, loved it. Uh, 70 countries, guys. Over 20 years, I actually stepped I stepped foot on, and um, and then in 1995, I was asked to by the White House. I got a funny story about this day, but the White House asked me to come out and interview to be the president's military aide, uh, and, and not a job you can apply for. They reached out to me. I flew out to Washington D.C. from I was I was an operations officer in Northern California and dating my now wife. Um, you know, this is 1995, so mm -hmm. quite a while ago. And I flew out, and they hired me. And, wow. uh, you know, I, I didn't have any particular political bent. I, you know, I wasn't crazy about Clinton as a, a president. They actually, in the interview process, they asked me, have you, uh, did you vote for President Clinton in the first election? I said, no, I didn't vote for him. And I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to be out of here. They're not going to they're not going to hire me. And I really didn't <laughs> care. I really didn't care. I mean, I was one of six yeah. candidates. And I didn't I didn't even know what the job uh, entailed. 
And they called me in my hotel room that night and said, hey, we want you to be President Clinton's, uh, President Clinton's military, Air Force military aide. Can you be here tomorrow to meet the president? And that's where that all happened. Hmm. Interesting. How do you yeah. think they got your name? Do you think you were submitted by your command? Or what exactly do you think did that? So the White House, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I, I wasn't in the loop on any of this, but mm. uh, the best of my knowledge, the White House contacted the Department of Defense and said, give us six Air Force officers that are, you know, major lieutenant colonel rank. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll contact them and ask, and ask to interview them. So I was one of the six. Mm. And when I got the phone call, and this is no kidding, true story. I was an operations officer in California, and the, my phone rang in the office, in my office, and the guy on the other end of the phone said, hey, this is the White House, and we'd like you to come interview to be the president's military aide uh, and carry the nuclear football. So if you've ever been around in a flying squadron, it's a lot like a fraternity. You play you hard. It was a prank. You thought I it was a total, prank. Total, total, total prank, <laughs> and I hung up. And yeah. I get to think that, you know, F you guys. It hung up and thought it was the guys yeah. down the hall. And then it rang again, and the guy, the guy goes, no, sir, this, this is actually the White House. We'd like you to come out and, <laughs> and interview. So I thought, okay, I better, pay, I better pay attention to this and be serious. And, uh, and so I did. And a couple of weeks later, I was the new military aide. Wow. That's an interesting story, but I don't blame you for thinking you were being pranked because obviously that's an unusual phone call to get on a base. You would for sure. The only thing that might've took it to a new level, if there was some Vaseline in the air set when you jammed it in there, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but without the Vaseline, you'd still be going, Oh, come on. There's no way they're calling me. I, I told them yeah. I didn't vote for Clinton. So yeah. yeah, I can see why you would jump to that conclusion. Uh, you know, it, it, it's obviously a crazy job. I mean, you're obviously carrying something that they that they have always put a lot of weight into. Uh, it's supposed to be a deterrent. The fact that he's got immediate access, much like the briefcase that uh, Putin has access to. Although I think during the time period you had it, the Putin briefcase was a little more sophisticated. I think yes. they, uh, it was a little more. It was more little more little digitally operative. That's correct. Suit, yeah, so a little different. So let me ask you this. The uh, obviously we're going to go into some details here, but tell me, you know, your experience in general at the White House. Just give me an overview first. How did you feel about it? At not not in the beginning, because in the beginning, I think we all go in bright eyed and bushy tailed. You know, we hope for the best, expect the worst, and wait for it to happen. So you went in there. How was your general experience? And then I want to go into some specifics. Yeah, now after I, I remember walking on the first day, and as you said, you know, I was a young major in the Air Force, and it was a beautiful, crisp, you know, uh, spring morning in D.C. And I'm walking into my office in the White House for the first time, and that's that is like, can you? It's like playing in the Super Bowl. You know, you're yeah. like, oh, holy cow, this is the most important building in the world, and I'm going to work for the most important person in the world. Yeah. So there was that. And then after a few weeks, I started to figure it out, Lance. I started to understand that, hey, this guy is just a dude, you know, and uh, one of the first uh, experiences where I realized that he wasn't really uh, a strong commander-in-chief, I write about this in Dereliction of Duty, was when we went to a golf tournament, mm -hmm. uh, the President's Cup golf tournament. And uh, at the same time, coincidentally, Saddam Hussein was trying to extinguish uh, the Kurds uh, in the northern part of Iraq, even he was trying to assassinate hundreds of thousands. And we, the military, the U.S. military had plans in place to go support the Kurds, I mean, the Kurds. We had promised them we would support them. 
And Sandy Berger, remember Sandy Burglar, yeah, the guy that, that stuck uh, classified documents in his underwear and his socks? I anyway, he was that. a National Security Council advisor. So here I am on the golf course with uh, Bill Clinton as we're watching Tiger Woods and the U.S. professionals play, the world professionals. And, uh, and I get phone calls from Sandy Berger three times in a row where he's asking me, can you get to the president and get the go-ahead to launch – and I talked to the president, and the president always said no. So he said, can you get to the president and get the go-ahead to launch the attack so we can repel Saddam's Republican Guard mm-hmm. and, and save the Kurds? So I approached Clinton three times uh, during this golf tournament, and every single time, Lance, he got more and more pissed off at me. And he basically said, no, I'm not taking the phone call. I'm not making a decision. We'll talk about it on the, in the limousine on the way back to the White House. So the bottom line... Uh, ears is that we didn't do anything mm. in Saddam, and this is 1996. I, I had been in the job about six weeks. Mm. I realized something's wrong here. Saddam rolls through northern Iraq and and just destroys and, and ethically cleanses hundreds of thousands of Kurds. And President Bill Clinton just simply wanted to watch Tiger Woods putt. Huh. Yeah, it, it's it's a disc- I I know that story. I actually uh, came across it when I was doing some research about you. And um, it's disgusting, right? At the end of the day, yep. leader of the free world, people in other countries counting on our support. And he literally allowed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to die simply because he was focused on his own personal needs to watch a golf tournament. You know what, Lance, if I could interrupt, I'm sorry. You know, the thing no, that really perturbed me more than anything else, in addition to the um, the deaths of humans that we had you know, professed our support for, mm-hmm. were that the people, the guys and girls that were in cockpits uh, and with engines running and bombs trapped on wings were my peers. And I knew a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. personally knew a lot of them. And I'm thinking, we. I just, I'm starting. I just work. I just got a job with a guy who is a horrible commander, doesn't understand what we do, and cannot make decisions. And that's when I started seeing the chinks in the arbor, which I saw continuously over the next two years. You know, Lance, it's got to be a tough proposition. Man. Go ahead, George. I'm sorry. So listen, I, I love watching Tiger Woods, but there's no way I would put him putting over people's lives. I mean, that's what you have uh, reruns for and stuff. Can I ask you, was yeah. is yeah? Since you say he wasn't really leader, was his wife really leading, calling the shots? Uh, she was behind the scenes. Uh, well, she thought behind the scenes she was the power, you know. And I'll I'll tell you. Let me just take a step back here. When I first got there and got to know President and Mrs. Clinton, I actually kind of enjoyed, on a personal level, being around Bill. I mean, we would jog in the morning. We'd go to the golf course. He never invited me to play, but I would be in the golf cart behind him with the football, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of and we would just shoot the shit, you know, and talk about foot, college football or whatever. So I kind of enjoyed being around him. I, re- I realized very quickly he had no moral fiber or character in his body, yeah. but I kind of enjoyed being around him. He was he was gregarious, told great jokes. Uh, he, you know, he, he appreciated me uh, for the most part. And uh, but Hillary was the the antithesis of that. Hillary was the the Gestapo that kept the train on time. Hillary was the person that if Bill got out of line, uh, she would snap him back into place. And I've got some I've got some of those stories if you guys want to hear them. But we definitely yes. do. I, you know, I want to I want to give you a chance on each one of these titles here, and then I want to go deep into that. 
Uh, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, the, the, the stories I've always heard is that Bill was relatively spineless, although entertaining, just as you described. That right. He wasn't willing to really put himself on the line. He, he was always worried about optics versus actual consequences or leadership. That at which, least is, which is exactly why he was a horrible commander-in-chief. Yeah. He was always worried about the optics, and, and he was so risk-averse. So it was before my time, but if you recall Black Hawk Down in Somalia, I was actually flying in that operation as an Air Force mm. pilot yeah. when Clinton abandoned our troops, and we had Black Hawk Down, and, and that embarrassing, and he withdrew us all immediately. I think that really scarred him in a lot of ways because he just didn't really get the military. He didn't yeah. understand us. He would ask me some of the most basic questions, guys. And I would be, this is our commander in chief, and he doesn't know how the military works. He doesn't know. He doesn't know ranks. He doesn't know, you know, who does what. And and hey, so, Buzz, he, let me ask you because I'm sure the audience would like to know. You were obviously combat certified, and you were. You're, you're, what was your rating, and what combat aircraft did you fly in those engagements that you were in? So I was. Uh, I was a pilot. Uh, mm -hmm. Came in. Came into the Air Force as a pilot. Um, and flew C-141s, mm -hmm. uh, transports, and got involved in special operations with the SEALs mm -hmm. and the Delta Force, mm -hmm. um, and which is, a, you know, it's a pretty dangerous platform to be doing because we didn't mm -hmm. have any defensive systems at the time. So yeah. I, I, uh, I, I got involved in that. I flew in the, under Ronald, Ronald Reagan, my very first um, uh, real mission was the invasion of Grenada. Mm -hmm. And we were the second airplane in on the ground in Grenada. That's when I first saw gunfire. We had the 82nd Airborne. We were trying to deliver um, into Grenada on the first night. So that's when I really realized that, you know, this is no, this is no kidding, man. This is for real. Uh, and I, I flew in the first Gulf War. I flew in um, Bosnia in the mid-90s. Right before mm -hmm. I got hired by Clinton, I was a squadron commander flying mm -hmm. into Bosnia every day, getting, getting locked on by uh, – uh, by the Serbs who were trying to, you know, cleanse the uh, the Muslims and the Croats uh, in yeah, Serbia. So, so I, you know, I, and then I got out, and probably probably my most significant combat action mm -hmm. was being around Hillary in the White House. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you know that doesn't surprise me. That's a recurring theme on people that had oh, direct contact God. with Hillary. Uh, <laughs> You know, we hear lots of stories from some of the people we know about White House interactions with certain individuals and how miserable they are. None other, of course, you wrote Conduct Unbecoming and uh, how Barack Obama is destroying the military and endangering our security. Uh, so what brought you to write that book? Was there an interaction? Was there knowledge? Uh, did you interview quite a few people? What kind of created that direction? So I've been uh, blessed in a way, Lance. Uh, so I, when I retired from the Air Force, I went to fly as a commercial pilot for Delta Airlines. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and I was the first guy of the military aides that I worked with at the White House that was able to uh, actually legally write about our experiences working for Clinton. So I wrote Dear Election of Duty, and it was so successful and still is very successful. And all my books talk about um, the impact of politics on our military, the negative impacts of politics mm -hmm. on our military. And I think we're seeing it today. And we can, again, that's a whole nother show. But, um, uh, but so I wrote Dereliction of Duty. It was so successful. Uh, and then I realized, I'm going to write a book and, and compare uh, Bill Clinton, who I thought was probably going to be our worst commander in chief ever, to our new, our new president, Barack Obama. 
and I and I I came to and and so I I compare the both both that they're both both very similar in their in their unwillingness to either understand, appreciate, or use the military. Mm. Uh, but I came to the conclusion that Obama's worse, so that's why I wrote mm. uh, conduct. Yeah, interesting. Pause. I got a well, question. A, yeah, Lance, I want to go because we're always talking about like the military. You know, they didn't like they weren't happy with the way Clinton was running things or with Obama, correct? How come? That's how come, correct. How, that's yeah. correct. If I can just give you just a, yeah. a reason, a small reason why, it's because if you're in the military, guys, and I don't care if you're a four-star general or you're, you're a brand new recruit, one, one strike, you can understand when somebody's bullshitting you, and you can understand when you've got poor leadership and you can understand when somebody is telling you to do something that you don't want to do because they're not doing it. That's why people didn't like Clinton, because he never got it. That's why they didn't like Obama, because he never got it. And I can tell you right, right, right now, guys, Biden is the worst I've seen in my entire adult lifetime. Yeah, He doesn't get it, nor does he want to. So yeah, is and it, I think he was installed, right. so that's a lot of it. I yeah. believe there's another I totally agree. Lance, yeah. so behind the scenes. It, yeah, George. So why doesn't more active military personnel or like speak up at the time, even against Obama, Clinton, or even now against Biden? Because if you're active, it's against the law, George. You have to. It's a you, there's the Uniform Code of Military Justice. You're not allowed to be contemptuous of of political leadership, mm-hmm. which is why I couldn't say anything, and I didn't want to say anything until I actually retired. I became a I became a free citizen again. And that could actually talk. But if you're active duty right now in the Army or the Navy or the Air Force or Marines, you can't come out and say Biden's a douchebag. You can't. You know, you can say it after you retire, but you'll get, you know, you'll get court-martialed, Article 15 or whatever, and probably beat lose out of the your Air retirement, Force. retirement, lose everything yeah. you're working exactly, well, exactly. you so, served. Lance, I just 100%. Want, we should put out there, if anybody wants to come to us, your identity will be... Never put out there. <laughs> yeah, of course. We work with yeah. whistleblowers yeah. on the show regularly, so of course we're always looking for more information. But it's pretty obvious the damage that the Biden administration, and I would say the Washington, D.C. cabal are doing to our military. I believe it's intentional. I believe that they've depleted our military stockpiles intentionally. I believe that they put us in a position with this woke DEI BS ideology, clearly not somebody I would want next to me in a trench. I don't think these are the kind of active military. I think it's a mental health crisis. I don't think it's got anything to do with good leadership. When they say it's necessary, it's not necessary. The fact is people have made a decision to weaken us from within. I think the Biden administration is fully corrupted. I believe they're working directly with foreign groups like Ukraine, like China. I believe him and his son have made and his family members have made a considerable amount of money doing exactly what we don't need a president to do, selling us out. So when I look at what our government is nowadays, it's obviously put us in a position where I think we're vulnerable. And I think your next book kind of covers some of that. You talk about war crimes and the left's campaign to destroy our military and lose the war on terror, which, in fact, we're seeing that firsthand, right? I mean, we're now in potentially, uh, you know, kinetic and non-kinetic for potential wars with maybe more on the horizon uh, the, if you just saw recently the Tucker Carlson Putin interview, you saw him talking about the propaganda that the U.S. propaganda system can't be beat because they're continuing to hide from the American people the truth of what's going on. So tell me about war crimes. Well, Lance, Lance hold on a second. I just got a news that they just impeached um, 215 and 214. Mayorkas, yeah. Wow. 
Finally. I know. Yeah. Finally something uh, done. I would I would hope that two fourteen and two thirteen. Yeah. The borders are would be next. I would think that Kamala Harris should be next. And of course what? Joe Biden should be facing the twenty fifth amendment. Joe Biden those should be, be impeached. My, those those ideas. Not that I not that I uh, trust the speaker of the house by any means, but at least we might have a chance to put the screws to people if we got rid of the three of them. Okay, George is cueing me. We're going to come back to war crimes, and we're going to go right into the Clintons. Don't go anywhere. We've got to take a break, or George is going to go ballistic on me. up for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup. A declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to mypillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six piece towels for only $29.98, or get your very own my pillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. 
Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. Here we your host, Lance Miliaccio, George Ballantine, and Buzz Patterson. I think went to get some more coffee real quick. He just scooed out. Yeah, he, he had to refuel. It's all good. You guys know. There he is. Dropping hey. bombs. Yes, Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. It's all good, Buzz. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, that's why you got to go with the big cup. You know, we might have to get you one of these from over Yo, there. I need a bigger one. I need a bigger one. Beard, you need this to have is, this one from Beard Vet. This is my Camp David, my Camp David mug, though. Yeah, that's, enough, that's a rare. That's a rare mug there, right there. That's probably yeah, not a yeah, lot of they, people that are floating around with a Camp David coffee yeah, cup. Yeah, you know, it's still uh, twenty some odd years later. It's still kind of hanging in there. So yeah. anyway, I need. Yeah. I need to get. I need. There's uh, only one guy I know that's got tons of presidential memorabilia that would kind of blow your mind. It's Roger Stone because he's oh, really four presidents. Yeah. So he's got. He's got some crazy stuff. <laughs> well, there's some the crazy years. stuff to be had out there. You know, I've got some yeah. stuff, to, but I was only there for two years, and he, you know, he's he's uh, had a lot longer association. But yeah. I've got some swag. I've got some stuff that's you know I'll give my kids at some point in time, and I've got some Bill Clinton golf balls. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that have that he actually signed that, that you know, and I'm I'm not ever going to use them, but uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. George, I'm going to let you bring us in here because we're just okay, we were just we're going. No, no, go, George. No, go no, we're going. We're in. We're in it to win it now. I want to hear about this. Um, the good stuff he's got here. All right, so, well, let's talk talking. about war crimes um, for a minute, and then we're going to go from the book right into the Clintons. And I've got some real, uh, real direct questions that I want to see we, what I Buzz knows. Yep. Okay, okay. So war crimes. Uh, I, I after I got out of the Air Force and during my time at Delta as a commercial pilot, I uh, asked the Pentagon. <laughs> In Delta, if I could embed myself in Iraq uh, during the during the kind of the worst time of the you know worst part of the war, mm-hmm. so I flew over uh, as a journalist because I'd already written one book, and they let me identify as a journalist, and I hung out with the Marines and Army guys. Uh, they were on the ground uh, again during the really bad t- part of the war. George W. Bush was president. It wasn't going well over there. Mm-hmm. Got over there hotter than hell. Uh, but I interviewed over 450, you know, airmen, soldiers, sailor, marines from every rank you can imagine up to three star, and just to get their thoughts. And then I realized uh, I wrote about this. That's why the whole book is about war crimes, and it's not about their war crimes. It's about the war crimes of our politicians back here, mm. who were undermining them, not supporting them. With the whole, you know, Guantanamo thing and Abu Ghraib and. You know, calling our our guys and girls, you know, baby killers, and and I and some of those people are still in office today. Nancy Pelosi was one, Dick Durbin's one, and I. So I talked to the the soldiers and the sailors, and then I talked to uh, the actual politicians, and I got their take on it. Uh, so that's what war crimes is all about. And I name names. I I tell I talk about the the people on the left and some of the people on the right that didn't support our troops during a very difficult time. Mm. 
Yeah, that's actually the book I have my eye on because it's of interest to me. It's my best book, Lance. In terms of my writing, it's not my most successful book. Mm-hmm. Dear Election of Duty is by far my most successful. I've had two bestsellers. But War Crimes is the, is the best in my mind. I'm the happiest with that in terms of the writing. Yeah, that's great. I'm Brent, sure. Lance, what, book, do you, what book of his do you want to get? Me? Yeah. War Crimes. War Crimes. So you're going to get an autographed copy, yeah. right? Yeah, I have my reasons. I want to see some of the information okay. out there. I read some of the jacket information and some of the reviews and what topics were covered. You know, as an investigative journalist, we're always researching whether we're looking at Deagle or we're looking at governor spending or we're looking at, you know, we get a chance to hobnob with people that are on the ground, whistleblowers uh, from lots of different agencies. So there's always these stories behind the scenes. And, and that's really where we're heading next year. You know, you were there with the Clintons. Uh, you know, and, and let me say this. Everybody, what you said about Bill, I think that's that, I think that's the knowledge of Bill. I think that what you nailed exactly what he was known, his persona and his personality and what his reputation was. Of course, his reputation as a womanizer is well known within D.C. And even as a uh, senator, uh, we, we've seen that. We know the, the stories that go behind it and whether or not true or untrue. So there's no surprise there. But the person that everybody talks about all the time is obviously Hillary, Hillary Clinton. They talk about the vicious nature of her and her behavior in D.C. Uh, is well known, you know, whether or not we talk about Benghazi or otherwise. There's lots of stories that she's connected to. What I really wanted to find out is, did you, what kind of things, and I know you've got a lot of stories, so I'm going to let you kind of free run here. Tell me about Hillary. Tell me some dirt on Hillary. Tell me what you saw. We've heard stories about, you know, everything from Pete Davidson, her sexual proclivity, potential connections to, uh, you know, Cosmos Pizza, uh, you know, some really unusual emails that were leaked, and we know about that, that had to do with Huma Abedin, which I understand she came in late to the game. You were already out of there. But there's no possible way that with the close proximity that you had that you didn't see and hear a lot of stuff. Now, some of it may have just been speculation by other staff members. So, man, throw it down, Buzz. Tell me what you got, brother. <laughs> well, let me let me kind of set the foundation here. When I first got there, yeah, uh, my predecessor said, you know, Bill's a pretty pretty decent guy. Uh, you know, he he doesn't really get ruffled easily. He says, but however, if you if you cross Hillary, she's going to rip your heart out, and you'll and you'll never recover. So I took that to heart. So in my two years there, I never I never pissed her off, not intentionally anyway. Um, and and then I realized there were also two different people. So. Uh, and I all, I didn't realize at the time I took the job that I was going to be living in the White House with an office and a bedroom in the White House mm-hmm. and going on vacations with them and going on Air Force One and Marine One, wherever they went. I mean, I was mm-hmm. there literally uh, by their side 24-7 when I was on duty. And uh, I also I, I noticed that she was she was very um, – I think we talked about it earlier. She was, she was the – the Himmler that kind of ran the trains, you know, and and, uh, and she let Bill be Bill. Um, when I first got there, uh, the military aides are a select group of officers who, I mean, it's, it's got to be a super small fraternity. And when I first got there, she had decided, this is going into the re-election of 1996, she had decided that she didn't want any visible military uniforms in the White House to include the military aides. 
So we had meetings. I'm, I'm, again, I had just arrived. So I had meetings with the Secret Service and said, this is not a very smart idea. You know, I've got the football. I'm in that circle of protection. The president has the codes. If you guys can't find me with the football, because I'm wearing the same thing you guys are wearing, it's just not going to work. So I said, I, I think we should just stay in our uniforms. And, and, and finally, Mrs. Clinton, after days, said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Let's just go ahead and do that. Um, but she wasn't happy about it. One of my favorite Hillary Clinton stories was when we were going to a fundraising uh, event in Washington, D.C. This is during the Whitewater stuff. So I think this is 96, might have been 97, during the Whitewater stuff. And I always rode in the motorcade behind uh, the limousine. Sometimes in the limousine, if they needed, they needed something or otherwise I'd be back in the control van. Mm-hmm. behind the limousine so we pull onto this we pull onto this hotel dock loading dock and i can see hillary and bill are just going at it like nobody's business in the back of the limousines they're she's pissed so we they get out of, we get out of the um we get out of the limo and, and I'm, I'm walking with them to the elevator to go to the top floor of this hotel for this fundraiser and she and so we get in the elevator and this, this is a loading dock elevator but there's only bill hillary myself uh, the doctor and a secret service agent. And so we start going up to the top floor and she is just chewing his ass. I mean, every four letter word you've ever heard in your entire life. And being a military guy, I've heard them all. She is just chewing his head off. I'm trying to lean into the side of the elevator to not get collateral damage. So I'm just trying to protect myself. And of course, Bill's just, you know, he's, he's nodding his head and, Yes, dear. Yes, dear. No, dear. Uh, and we get to the top floor of the hotel and the doors open and they start holding hands again and just waving like nothing had happened. So she was she was the power behind the throne, especially when he got caught with Monica. And I was there for all that as well. So uh, she took over. Yeah, the Monica Lewinsky story is a well-known story for sure. Uh, I can't imagine you know, the riff, although I don't know if their relationship was ever really, uh, after they got into politics, it was based on being a relationship or not. I'm actually kind of surprised they've weathered the storm as long as they have, but Hillary's aspirations have never been hidden. Did you get a sense that she was constantly looking to maneuver to the next position? She was thinking about president that for herself. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. In in fact, you know, uh, there was a day when the Monica Lewinsky situation actually hit them. I knew about Monica and Bill right after I arrived. So it had been about a year, maybe a little bit longer Mm -hmm. uh, before it actually hit the national press. So I knew who Monica was. I knew what the deal was. I walked in on them one time in the Oval Office. This is prior to the press finding out, correct? Right. Prior to the press. Yeah. So Matt, Matt Drudge broke it uh, in January of 1997. Mm And was it 98? It was January of 98. Matt Drudge broke it, and uh, and then Washington Post picked it up. I was the first person walking in that morning uh, to to brief President Clinton on what was happening with the military and the military aid and the football mm-hmm. stuff. And I saw the Washington Post headline: "Sex Scandal Rocks White House." And I knew that he had been caught. And then I walked into the Oval Office, and he confessed uh, that. Yeah, I looked at him, and he—you could tell he had been up all night long. His head was his head. His head was in his hands. He was just—you know—his eyes were all bloodshot. 
he knew he had been caught. And that began the, the, the moment that Hillary Clinton took over as the president and commander in chief. She, she became the scandal management person. All the meetings that were run upstairs in the residence of the White House. You know, so, the, you know, the White House is a, the, the East Wing and the West Wing are both office buildings. And you have the middle part of the White House, which is the residence. Mm-hmm. So she would run meetings every single night uh, in, the, in their residence, uh, calling in all kinds of favors from Hollywood people on how just to couch this. And, and that's when she denied it on TV. And he said he did not have sex with that woman. And uh, I was there through all of that. Yeah. And so she, and she, so she was the co-president for sure. They do a great job of controlling the narrative. There's no doubt. What kind of did you during the time period you were there? Did you ever see Hillary involved in anything that obviously would be shocking for the American public? We've heard all the rumors. Was there anything like that? Did you see her with women? Did you see anything like that at all? Well, uh, I got there right after Vince Foster mm-hmm. uh, either killed himself or was killed. Uh, right. I've got some. I've got some opinions there, but I don't know. You know for. Did fact. you want to avoid, why don't you voice those opinions? What do you think happened? Well, I got there and, you know, I know that they, they were kind of involved, Hillary and Vince and, and Vince apparently wasn't, wasn't the best counselor in the world for Hillary. And, uh, um, she, they had a falling out about the whitewater files. And I can, I can tell you that I know that part because, uh, when I first got there, uh, when we would go to camp David, only the military aid could carry the, um, so the, the first lady had a box of files. It was an opaque, opaque cla- a plastic box of files. And, and so when we would go to Camp David or on vacation, the only person she trusted moving those files onto Marine One or Air Force One was the military aide. So I thought that was unusual. Uh, so I thought, you know, and then I realized after a, a couple trips with Mrs. Clinton and President Clinton and moving those files around and putting, she always wanted to have eyes on the files you couldn't get them out of her eyesight she had to see the she had to see the files and um so you had to be very careful about where when he placed them down uh where she wanted them and and then i realized you know what i think these are the vince foster files that that were taken out of his office that night and i still to this day believe that i still to this day think she has those somewhere in a closet uh that we've been carrying around for however you know how many years ago, but I've been to Fort Marcy park. I lived, of course, when I was, uh, I went to high school in Northern Virginia. I, uh, of course lived in Washington DC when I was at the white house. I've been to Fort Marcy park. Uh, it's not an easy place to go shoot yourself. It's just not It's small. It's right off a highway. Kind of weird. So my speculation is he did not kill himself. Did you think, was there anybody around Hillary that you think were her dirt delegates? You know, everybody has. Obviously, we could talk about Sicarios or otherwise. Was there anyone that kind of gave off that vibe that when she needed something done, this was her go-to for dirt? Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you there was, they had a couple of people, both of them. You know, you know, Bill and Hillary brought, brought Bruce Lindsay from the governor's mansion in Arkansas to the White House. And Bruce Lindsay became the president's special counsel. Mm-hmm. And then he also, uh, he also brought people um, like uh, Stephanopoulos, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Harold Ickes, all these really smarmy characters that, you know, that they, mm-hmm. they had known prior to um, getting 
surprisingly elected in 92. I mean, because he, he brought all these guys in that were kind of like, um, they had been doing this, you know, hiding skeletons for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I knew all those guys. And uh, I think Bruce Lindsay was the guy that really knew where the sco- uh, closet skeletons were. Um, you know, they had people like Paul Begala that would just go after and destroy people. John Podesta, who I think is the biggest snake I've ever met let in me, my entire life. Let me stop life. you there, because the Podesta brothers have been around for a long time. Right. People have questioned their sexual proclivity in many ways. Uh, their art speaks uh, like a, a big dialogue about that. There's lots of questions about John Podesta. Did you know? And again, uh, as somebody that was around the Clintons regularly, uh, you know, and we know quite a few uh, ex-Secret Service. We even know a few that are current now, and and they will often say that they hear things that they wish they had never heard. Is yeah. there anything in the Podesta interactions? Maybe when you were in the Oval Office or otherwise, when you were around, was there anything that you were like, "What the hell are they talking about? These people are out, and these are some sick sons of bitches." Uh, you know, not- like that with the Podesta specifically. Nothing in terms of that kind of, you know, proclivity. I will tell you, he's a complete asshole. Uh, when I first got there, he was. Um, so I first arrived. The guy that hired me as the White House chief, chief of staff was uh, Leon Panetta, mm. and a great guy. I didn't like his politics. Superhuman being, real gentleman. And then the guy that followed him was a guy named Erskine Bowles, mm. uh, Coast Guard. Um, veteran, again, great guy, um, complete gentleman. They really got what I did. You know, they they were really clued into what the whole thing was with Secret Service and the military aides. And then we got John Podesta, and I've never met a smarmier, snake-like human being in my entire life. He always just e just oozed evil to me. And he and Hillary were like this. They were so close. And I, I, you know, she was, he was her campaign manager when she ran in 2016. So that's how, that's the connection with those guys. And he he was the guy that had to, unfortunately, or fortunately, I thought it was hilarious. When Hillary got just shit-faced the night she lost to Trump in 2016, he was the guy that had to give the, uh, um, the, you know, the, the speech saying we, that we, we agree that Trump is the new president. So uh, he's just a, he's a bitter, bitter pill. And, um, and I don't like him. He's a scumbag. Yeah. Cause remember, you know, they had, in New York, they had his laptop and to, yeah. you know, detectives, they were so visually shaking over the contents of it. Then, and you know, what's great. And nothing was done about it. Like you tell me your detectives, you see what's going on. You know, that could be your kids, your, your friend's kids, family's kids. Whatever well, there's was been a lot of strange on. connections. Yeah. The Red Shoe Club, we know that. Uh, no, if, you know, I think if I could just uh, interrupt again, you know, the thing, the, my job was so focused on Bill. Yeah. So I knew all the stuff going around in his universe. I knew about, I knew about Monica and, you know, Paula Jones and, mm-hmm. you know, Monica, I mean, uh, Kathleen Willey. I knew all about those people. I wasn't around Hillary as much because most of the time she was doing her own thing. I did yeah, see her yeah. walking in and out uh, with female friends occasionally, but I never really saw that on the road because she and Bill would would adopt this, this you know, this um, persona. persona. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the president and first lady persona in the White House. I will tell you this: when in the White House, when Hillary was around, it was buttoned up and 
she was barking orders. When she wasn't around, it was a freaking frat house. Uh, same thing on Air Force One. When she wasn't around, the president wanted uh, barbecue and Mexican food and, you know, whatever he could get his hands on. And he would actually surf down the aisle on food trays as the airplane was taken off. When Hillary was there, <laughs> Hillary was there, he was all buttoned up and keeping his mouth shut. And there were salads, you know, and and just <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, kind of fun to sit back and, you know, my my. My seat on Air Force One was with people like Bruce Lindsay and, and you know, the press secretary and yeah. those guys. So I could hear what they were talking about. But I was mostly focused on, you know, not getting Bill hurt or embarrassed, you know, until I yeah, got Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. that had to be the focus of the game for you. Let me ask yep. you, what are, is there other stuff that you heard that you think would be important to share with our listeners and subscribers? Anything any kind of exposure stuff that maybe you've been sitting on and now is the right time? Because we know we're in the fight for our lives, right? We know it's good versus evil. There is no doubt that we have a major problem in D.C. Uh, we're seeing more and more getting exposed. I saw some uh, a bunch of press today, uh, more stuff. Uh, Deagle was one of them that I saw. It was an article that got written yesterday talking about the consequences of the COVID vaccine. Did you hear about any operations or anything that you felt like weren't right that were being run against the American people that were starting from the highest level, obviously the president, and maybe it was being influenced by the secretary of state or otherwise, or outside forces. Was there anything like that that you ever heard that you think, yeah, now in retrospect, when I look back, this was some serious stuff. No, you know, nothing internally that I think was an attack on um, Americans. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that um, my biggest complaint with Bill Clinton, the reason why I wrote their election was because when 9-11 went down, I was a Delta pilot flying to New York mm -hmm. and had to turn around and go back to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we had had so many opportunities in my time with President Clinton to either capture or kill bin Laden. Mm -hmm. And I write about some of these in, in uh, their election. So mm -hmm. there was nothing that I thought was internal to American citizens, but that was Bill Clinton's biggest dereliction of duty was that when we had eyes on target, uh, and I was involved in some of these, you know, sitting in the situation room with Sandy Berger and, and watching the CIA video and the in the military video of Osama bin Laden walking around in a compound, and we didn't take the shot because Bill, again, was risk-averse, and he wanted to chat with Madeleine Albright and Janet Reno and William Cohen, who was sec, sec def. So I think Bill Clinton's biggest dereliction of duty was 9-11. And I think if we had if we had just taken a shot, it might not have happened. It would never have like happened. There's a lot of stories about Bin Laden that he was a fabricated uh, persona that he was assisted by the CIA. A lot of people allege that some of it, uh, with the CIA being involved and in what was really the strategy behind the scenes, was the uh, access to dark money through. Uh, you know, operations that included opium, heroin, the heroin trade. The CIA has been known to use that for their black budgets. It's been going on for a very long time. It's no different. Did you get any sense that maybe they didn't take the shot on bin Laden because there were other things that were going on behind the scenes and they were protecting bin Laden beyond the scope of what the American public knew? Certainly possible. Certainly possible. I, You know, as I told you earlier, I was involved in special operations with the SEALs and the Delta Force, and we did we did some things uh, for and with the CIA that, uh, thinking back now, you know, I was pretty naive at the time, brand new Air Force pilot flying around the world, 
in jeans and a sweatshirt because they didn't want us to be in uniform. Yeah, of course. With the CIA people. So we did a lot of that kind of stuff, snuck into a lot of places. And now looking back on it, you know, I wish I knew what I, what I saw, but those, that was just having, that was just fat, dumb and happy having the time of my life as a bastard flying around the world. You know, I was just, no, the, the, the military told me to go do this and I'm going to go do it. Reagan was the president. Why would I question it? You know? So, uh, that's how, that was my, uh, intuition going in. And now that I'm much older and left the white house and I've seen what I've seen, uh, I think there's a lot of legitimacy to the fact that there have been things going on like January 6th. Yeah. What are your thoughts on January 6th? On this show, we believe it to be a Fed surrection. We know that using facial recognition, 256 FBI agents have been involved, have been, have been identified by the White House and others. We've seen that the pipe bomb situation, uh, that individual has been tracked by Tony Saruga. If you see him on X, you know who I'm talking about. Yep. They've used data to track him going into uh, naval warfare, the FBI building. Knowing what I know about EOD, those pipe bombs clearly look like props. There's no communication device. A one-hour kitchen timer doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, they they su suggest that the accelerant was black powder, pretty inefficient if you're trying to get any kind of a kill zone. Um, and, and then on top of it, re just released today or yesterday, the drug dogs, I mean, not the drug dogs, the EOD dogs didn't pick up the bomb sniffers, didn't pick up on the, the uh, uh, so it would make me believe that there wasn't any filling in the device itself. Right. You couldn't communicate with it, uh, you know, uh, remotely because there wasn't any remote detail to it. And you're talking about uh, a 17-hour placement prior to the alleged yeah. where, you know, it was supposed to be used to take out Kamala Harris. Just the tracking would indicate that the pipe bomber was a Fed surrection style event. We looked pop smoke. You're familiar with that, I'm sure. Pop smoke was used in the crowds to communicate, which would mean the federal agents or military officers or DEA or whoever they had in the crowds. They planned on antagonizing the crowd. They needed that, you know, insurrectionist style event. I believe that's why they used lethal munitions was to aggravate the crowd, to agitate. They weren't getting the result they wanted. Right. Trump offered them the 10,000. Uh, National Guard. Give me your thoughts. What have you heard? Because that's one thing I know. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a government contractor uh, or otherwise. You know, you keep in communication with people that you're with, and they tell you, we hear stories, not anything that obviously is classified, but you hear stories about, hey, I heard this. Did you hear about this? What have you heard? Well, ironically, that same day I was doing a January, on January 6th of that year, I was doing a rally uh, up in Sacramento. Uh, for for President Trump, um, and and then we heard about what had happened. I had not heard anything prior to that. I do have friends that were involved in it, uh, unfortunately, because they were they were innocent. Uh, I believe it was a setup. I believe that the government took advantage of the Capitol Police. The Capitol Police are amongst the shittiest uh, police organization you'll ever find. Uh, and they're the, they're in charge of guarding our capital and supposedly our representatives and, and senators. I think they were they're totally incompetent, and I think that it was a it was a federal set uh, setup, and the Capitol Police didn't know anything about it and couldn't handle it. And then there were some agitators that fired some things in the crowd mm -hmm. and, and got it going. And uh, you know, so you had a combination of people being invited to come in. 
and then people like Ashley Babbitt that gets shot coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when they crossed the line somewhere, and I think it was probably the, the agitators that were doing it. Um, uh, you know, I just think it was, you know, the fact that we still don't know who planted the, yeah. uh, the pipe bombs. Yeah, that's you know, We know who every single grandmother yeah. who was there who got yeah. asked to come in, we know who they are. And they got charged, but we still don't know who dropped the bombs. You know, uh, and I think that was that was totally a uh, a psyop, and they 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 staged that just to make it look like the MAGA people were out of control, going to lose their minds the next day. Yeah, well, you have to, it's fear mongering, George. I'd like to hear your input on this. Tell me your thoughts. Well, fear mongering. The reason, if you look, people are so afraid. I'm not going to say. Okay, let me rephrase that. Conservatives are so afraid to go out and protest anywhere, even if they do it on the streets peacefully, because of J6. They they accomplished so much from what um, Nancy Pelosi and crew did with J6. I mean, it's this is really it's unheard of just keeping these people in prison, no bail, no speedy trials. I mean, all in reality, all these cases are going to get overturned in the appellate court if it gets to that before Trump gets in. If he's going to you know, pardon them all. Well, the, whole, but, but, the whole thing, you know, if, if we're, the thing about that really pisses me off is the thing is, is you know, we, I don't know how many we have now in, that have been charged in Jan 6, but not a single BLM protester got charged for burning down the rest of the country that, you know. Uh, well, yeah. no, they did, you know, well, they got in trouble, but the um, DA decided to let them go, like in Washington State yeah. and everywhere else. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they burned but down DC. no federal charges. I don't no. believe there's any federal cases against a BLM or an Antifa. No. They were there on location. We've even seen video of them chase, changing into MAGA outfits. We know that they were part of this created event. Ray Epps gets a misdemeanor when he's yeah. clearly on camera and otherwise agitating Listen, beyond the scope what, of what, what Tario got 22 years for. What pisses a- me off, yeah. exceeded what Tario did. What pisses yeah. me off is two things. Number one, I think he was a lieutenant. Lieutenant Bird who shot um, Ashley Babbitt. Nothing mm-hmm. happened to him. He should have been charged. And right. I, the other thing is our fake-ass Republicans ain't doing nothing about it. So you, have yeah. a, you have a couple that actually went with the Democrats on a J6 committee and, you know, did harm to they, they oh my God. Republicans. But, you know, they, they no. went with all the Democrats. I mean, it's a shame. Cheney and um, whatever his name don't is. Don't get me started. Yeah, don't get me started I'm on getting Cheney you started, Ken- Buzz. Let's go. Cheney and Kinzinger, man. Kinzinger, that's oh it. My- yeah, yeah, Kinzinger. He's a, he's a, he's a douche. He is yeah. a douche. He's a you fag. Know, I, I, I'd like to drag him into the UFC ring, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, he, he his rhetoric online, the divisional rhetoric, I'm tired of con- members of Congress doing everything at their disposal to divide the country. That's not what they're supposed to do. It's supposed to be government for the people, by the people. That is not what we currently have. Uh, they, and they do it over and over and over again. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not something that obviously is good for any of us. The lies just never stop. I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I want I, every time she opens her mouth, you look at the lie getting prepared. KGP, the press secretary. Oh she yeah. Just, she just today yes. wanted to come out and talk about how amazing the economy is and how well protected the border is over and over again. You know, we have lots of resources that are directly on the border. There are people that actually still work for Border Patrol and otherwise. I mean, it's a disaster. 
what's going on is one of the worst things that could possibly happen. And it's all about them creating a pool of 25 million voters that they can take advantage of because nobody knows where they are. They just take right. the identities that are provided. That's ben Berkham has got a bag of IDs that's 96 countries deep at this point. So it's, it's a strategy, right? And most people don't see it. Can I ask you this? Did you ever hear when you were, were, when you were around or any of the sources you have, did you ever hear them conspiring with, you know, the, the Alexander, or, I mean, actually it would have been George Soros then, or the Klaus Schwabs or any of the other people that are tagged as WEF or any of the banking. Did, was there anything like that that you saw that would like you walked in on a meeting or you had to walk into a meeting and you were shocked because there was Klaus Schwab, there was, uh, you know, the leadership from the WHO or otherwise. Was there anything like that you ever came across, Buzz, while you were at the White House? You know, I didn't know who Klaus Schwab was at the time. Mm. Uh, Soros did visit, and I know who he was because he he and uh, Hillary were pretty tight. So, but you know, I didn't really, I didn't really sit in the meetings unless yeah. it was national security or military. I could have, but I didn't really want to, you know. So I, yeah. you know, uh, so no, I never actually heard that. I just know that a lot of those kind of guys and girls would show up for. Um, social events and i you know if there was if it was a big like state dinner thing with like you know the chinese premier or you know germany or whatever i would be there and kind of escort people and talk to the clintons and make sure everything was cool but if it was just a standard meeting just you know a, a, a grin and grip I didn't go to those. So How many times did you see Soros at the White House? I'm always curious because he seems to have unlimited access. I, I, no matter I would, who the I can probably remember um, at least twice. Mm. It's probably more than that, but I can specifically remember each, uh, twice. Mm. I, I talked to him once, um, so and I didn't. You know, he was kind of he wasn't all that. I, I didn't really get much out of it. So. Um, so yeah, did they make a big deal after certain people that came to the White House buzz? Were there some people that they said the Secret Service? You could see kind of the hubbubaloo around a certain number of individuals. A certain person would show up and be like, "Hey, we got you know we got to do this. We got to do." You know. Was there that kind of a thing? If they had money, yeah. If they were Hollywood and had money, the Bill Gates, you know, and the Robert Duvalls and uh, Barbara Streisand, you know, Brad Pitt was there. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, I remember Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you had money and you loved the Clintons, which Hollywood mostly did, mm. uh, you know, certainly did. Uh, so you'd see those people around because they were they were dropping off checks, man, left and right. It wasn't just about saying hi or watching a movie. Do they you were think those cut. checks were were an obligation, or was it something they wanted to do? No, for they were. They were just. Well, some of it probably was just donations to the DNC, and some of it was for bills, uh, uh, legal legal bills. You know, he he had the he had the uh, the Paula Jones thing. Yeah, which he had he had to pay her a million, and then he had the Monica Lewinsky thing, mm -hmm. uh, and he had to pay her go away. So it was mostly that kind of stuff. Um, there was really no guys. There was really no inspiration or strategy or philosophy. What about Epstein? About. Did you see I Epstein? I never saw Epstein. Never. People ask me that all the time. Did you ever never hear his name? Him. Huh? Did you ever no. hear his name come up? No, I did not. Okay. Obviously, no. however, he had a close bond with. Yeah. Bill however, Clinton. however, I'm sure Clinton knew him well, 
that was so Clinton didn't get really involved with him in, in terms of going to the island until after Clinton left off left office. So mm. uh, I never heard the name. He was probably one of the events we did somewhere. But you know, again, I wasn't I wasn't hobnobbing. I was just you know Wait. doing my military thing over in the corner. So yeah, you're saying while Clinton was president, he never made it to Epstein Island. I didn't see him. I never went with him. So no, I think even though that was likely wait, has that out. happened, huh? You always yeah, had the football the whole time, or did you have a break? No, no, no. So I was only there for two years. Ah, okay. Mm. Yeah, and so Cl- Clinton retired. I mean, Clinton left the office in 2001. I was long gone. So, uh, and I, again, I, I think, I don't think he did anything like that in terms of actually going down there. And he was, he was no longer president. That's my, that's my opinion. How about Obama? Did you see him around the White House at all? No, never. Anybody else predictively that you thought was odd now in retrospect, anybody you saw or anything you heard about that you just thought, wow, that's really odd. Now in retrospect, you look back and go, wow, I wonder what that was all about. No, because every day was odd and nothing really stood out to me. You know what I mean? It was just every day was a blur. Um, It's again, as long as he didn't get, you know, my job was making sure he didn't get hurt. Uh, he didn't get embarrassed, and if we had to go to war, I was there to help him do it. That was my job, and uh, yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't by his side twenty four seven. When we were in the White House, I was either in my office or in my bedroom while he was in his office or in his bedroom. So mm. all I had to do was be within two minutes of him um, in case gotcha. there was a national security thing. Gotcha, George. Um. I don't know if you so, have any questions no, from the no. chat or anything from us. I do. Um, I have to come back to it, though. Let me see. Somebody was saying, let me see. Where we always it? like to give the chat an opportunity to ask the guests if they've got something. Oh, so any chance? No, this is it from them. Any chance that you'll be uh, running for Congress again? That's their question. My question is, if offered a position when Trump gets in this year, because he's going to get in. He better get in. Would you, will you take him? What would you want? Like, what? where would you want to be? Two great questions. Running for Congress again, my wife would actually kill me. Ooh. So I'm probably not going to do that. We don't want that, Miss Patterson. Yeah, uh, she's looking at me right now. She and is? Tell us it hi. Going, she goes, going no. Oh, so in two, in two, I would uh, definitely like to work for Trump. Uh, I'd like to work back in the White House. I'd like to go back to the National Security Council or, you know, I, I don't think he wants me to be military aid anymore, but... I'll do whatever the hell he wants, man. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be downstairs flipping burgers in the White House mess. Yeah, uh, I hear you. I'd, I'd, I'd be down there making them with you. I don't know if Miss Patterson can hear me, but maybe you could play this. Miss Patterson, if he has to run for Congress, whatever, you just got to let him do it because it's for saving our country. You have to think about your children. <laughs> but most importantly, Miss Patterson, think about your future grandchildren. She's right? laughing. She's laughing. Because she knows I'm right. No. That's yeah. a defense yeah. mechanism. I'm a psych That's major. A defense <laughs> She's laughing and saying no. <laughs> All right, I got to ask this question because I've kind of been saving it here towards the end of our interview. Uh, we all know that it's obvious at this point that uh, Joe Biden, at least most of us believe that he was installed. Clearly, mentally, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's seem to be a serious problem for him at this point. We've seen a lot of the signs of it. They continue to try to cover it up. Uh, you know, Roger Stone, and we believe that it's not going to be, it'll only be a matter of time before they announce that it's going to be Michelle Big Mike Obama and uh, G- Gavin CCP Newsom 
as the uh, the card that's going to replace him. Roger's convinced of that. He's been talking about it for two years, Roger Stone. How dangerous do you think it is that we have a president currently installed, whether, whether he's really running the country or not, there's a lot of claims that it's Barack Obama behind the scenes, that actually is has the you know, nuclear football connected to him that closely. Uh, you, know, you know enough because you carried it. You know how important it is as a deterrent. Right. Do you, do, with a guy like Biden in office right now, how dangerous do you think that is for the country? But, I think it's incredibly dangerous. I'm not even sure Biden has the code. So the way it works is the nuclear, the military aid has the nuclear football, uh, which contains a lot of things, not just nuclear stuff, but that's what has to to accompany the president. And then the president has the military, I mean, the, the nuclear codes. Mm-hmm. So they're like a credit card size document, which, by the mm-hmm. way, Bill Clinton lost when I was there. Another story. <laughs> um, so the way it's supposed to work is uh, I get a call from the National Military Command Center at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. They say we have a, you know, a, a, a launch or we need to launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk to the president? And I go, I go get the president and, and then he or she has to authenticate with a credit card sized document. And it's a series of uh, symbols that he has to he I has to pass on. So anyway, that's how it's supposed to work. Now, I can't imagine, I mean, and Clinton was, although, although he did lose him once, Clinton was pretty... Did, wait, but Buzz, did you find him after he lost him? No, we never, we never found him. <laughs> oh, my that's, God. That's, wait, a whole, that's a whole other show, guys. That's a whole other show. It'll take us another hour. He lost his car. Oh, man. So... Uh, they probably ended up on eBay. You know that, right? Well, we looked on eBay. <laughs> I wonder if we also oh, looked at eBay for, for Monica's blue dress. We never found that one yeah. either. So I was going to say maybe Monica grabbed him. You know when he wasn't no, really focused. Yeah. We, we, do we, dude, we turned that place upside down. That's and what I'm saying. Maybe Monica wow. got him. You know what I'm saying? You well, know he was in the I moment. And, you know, and then maybe China got him. I don't know where they yeah, went from there. Exactly. But it had never right. happened before. So I had to call the Pentagon and say, "Hey guys, we." Uh, the president lost the code, so it had never happened before, and they had no they had no process because those codes are the same codes that go all the way down the chain of command to every missile silo, every wow. nuclear submarine, every bomber, uh, all the commands, same codes. So the Pentagon had to jump through their ass and recreate these codes, and they did in about twelve hours, which is pretty. It's pretty. Uh, was Bill stressed about it, or did he not really give a it shit? It was the same day that Monica <laughs> hit the press. Oh, the so he wasn't thinking about day. nuclear codes. I'm telling you, Monica's got him. I tell you. <laughs> it, so this is all a dereliction of duty, white. By the way, guys. So if you want to read about my that one day in 1997 for me, when Bill Clinton lost the nuclear codes, <laughs> uh, and Monica hit the press, 1998. I keep getting that wrong. Yeah, Monica lost the uh, Monica was there as well, and uh, my God! Yeah. But uh, you know, other than that, I, that's when I started seeing things just fall apart. You know, and yeah, um, and it was every single day for me individually mm-hmm. was was difficult. I was engaged to my now wife, and mm-hmm. and uh, we got married. Right before we went to D.C., which was a horrible idea. And we moved into an apartment in Georgetown. And I never saw her again for two years. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, every single day would be, I have no idea what I'm walking into. I spent most of my nights in the White House. I spent a lot of time on the road. 
you know, in the, in the military, you call it TDY. I spent mm-hmm. 280 days a year TDY for two years, just wow. going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Not not deployed, but going back and forth. So uh, it was uh, it was a blur. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. All right, listen, Buzz. We oh, take it wait, not one question, Lance. Choice, I got, this is a good one. We forgot about this. Buzz. Go ahead. What happened at the Standard Hotel with Adam Schiff? You know anything about that? <laughs> ah, yeah. Hey, dude, dude, Google it. <laughs> Come on. Google it. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. That's a whole nother show? People, the whole yeah. nother show. That's a whole nother show. You just, listen, right. you're more than welcome to come out anytime. You don't have to do that. Hey, we, we're gonna, we're gonna hold you, you guys can have me back whenever you want. You're a Yankee fan. We're going to hold you to but that. I'm a Yankee Absolutely. fan. But Miss Patterson should read the chat because a lot of people are saying, no, we want they want you for Congress. I was trying to say to wife, you said no, but they don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like, a tricky thing. She's a, she's a hard no, man. You know, it's a lot of work, too, and it's a lot of dealing with, um, uh, you know, consultants that suck you dry and people trying to get your money and you're trying to raise money. And it's R- raising money is the hard part because I'm, I'm with Jell- uh, Jamie Sinell's campaign. And that's the hardest part because he's, primar- he's part. primarying Dan Crenshaw and, you, and he's got the big money donors. It's that's the toughest part. Yeah. It's 100% the toughest part. And, you know, uh, it really it's really hard if the if the candidate's not doing it, which means you spend ninety percent of your time asking people for money and ten percent of your time actually getting out there and talking about the issues and meeting people. And I think that's I think that's upside down. Um, I enjoyed my my campaign. I enjoyed it a lot. Met some fantastic people, but it's a grind, and the money part needs to change. I think. Yeah, no doubt. It's ridiculous the amount of money you need to run nowadays, and there's just so many things wrong with about uh, whether it's the email yeah. systems where the 90-10 split and all the other crazy stuff. We deal with quite a few congressional candidates. It's ugly. All right, yep. listen, Buzz, we've kept you long enough. I don't want your wife to to, to hate the big, big show. <laughs> She'll understand. You don't want her to go down that path. Explain me. Uh, listen, we want to thank you for joining us. We're definitely going to have you back. Uh, George, yes. any last words from you, bud? Um. It's great having you on. We definitely look forward to having you on one again a few more times because you left all these things open. That's for another show. I think it was like five, six of them. So we're going to have to figure it's this cl- out. It's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. You know, I don't want to say circle back because that's a liberal thing. That's, you know, we don't say that. No, it's a, it's a tease, guys. I'm just teasing you guys. We'll come back. Oh. All right, listen. I'm going to uh, let you do that because he's a Yankee fan. So he's I'm a Yankee me. fan. And this is yeah, going to be well, a good year, guys. This is going to be yeah, a good year. That yeah, is going to be a good year. We've got our fingers crossed for that, obviously. Uh, listen, don't forget, you guys, if you like the show, hit the thumbs up, like, subscribe. You can subscribe to us on Rumble. You can tip us on Rumble. You can do a paid subscription on Rumble. Of course, we, we're happy if you can just even do the free subscription. Uh, we, we need that. We need to grow our brand on Locals. You can find us on X. Now, Buzz, where can people buy your book and where can they find you? Uh, buying the books, best place is Amazon. Okay. Um, just, just put in Buzz Patterson and it'll all, it'll all come up. Uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter at Buzz Patterson, uh, Facebook, same, uh, Instagram, and I write columns called the Buzz Cut at red, RedState.com. So please follow me there. I, I I write a lot about the military, but I also get into some of the scandal and stuff too. So uh, RedState.com, and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys again. Where do you do your bedtime yeah, stories? Sure. I just tell stories about the Clintons. Or, or flying. I also tell a lot of flying stories about almost dying and stuff. All right. Bedtime stories. <laughs> 
Hey, listen. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to follow G. Ballantine, Lance Miliacho, and the Big MIG Show on X. You can find us on True Social, Gab, Getter, LinkedIn, CloudHub, and every podcast audio platform you can think of. It's either going to be the Big MIG, the Big MIG Show, George Ballantine, and Lance Miliacho. We appreciate you guys. Without our subscribers and listeners, there wouldn't be any reason for us to do the show. Take our information. Take uh, the short-form content, the long-form content, share it with your friends and family members. Let's fix this country. Tip of the spear. God bless you guys, and we appreciate you tuning in. George. Y'all have a good night, Miss Patterson. You'll see it my way sooner or later, but thank you. We appreciate you, ma'am. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. Peace out. Oh, see you guys. wait a second, Lance. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. Time out. Tomorrow night, we got Tina Peters coming on. Oh, Eight yeah. o'clock, seven o'clock Eastern time. Be there. It's going to be explosive. You know, she's going to be talking because she's, you know, going to be going to trial. But another thing is this Thursday, we have a special show. It's going to be different time, though. It's 8 p.m. Eastern. It's J6 defendant. He's a congressional candidate in District 19 in Texas, Ryan Zink. Because we got March 5th is the uh, primaries. He's going down to the deadline. We got to see what we can do for this guy. Help him out. He's a patriot. All right. See you guys tomorrow night. Peace out. See you guys. Hold on. I screwed up. Decide what sites you visit, and they're only going to allow a couple thousand sites. Ninety-nine percent of the web will be off limits. up for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup. A declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. 
I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98, or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to mypillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six piece towels for only $29.98. Or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare. Psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide. The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now.